Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Well, I went to high school in Eagle River, which is like, I don't know, 15 miles north. It's kind of a suburb of Anchorage, even though they don't like to consider themselves a suburb. But, um, but they're a suburb. Uh, and that was my first experience with the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, which is our parent denomination. Um, it was with Community Covenant out there in Eagle River. Now, I knew that church existed, but it wasn't my church. Um, but I, I occasionally went there because I had friends that went there. Um, and it was just a fine and good church, but I was never really involved with it or knew that much about it. But then, later on, um, when I was in seminary, I started to attend Quest Church, uh, which is a covenant church, and it's just a few blocks away from Seattle Pacific University. It's actually, like, there's a hill, and it's right on the other side of the hill. And that is a very ultra-modern church. Um, You know, it's very multi-ethnic, and honestly, the church was so cool, it was actually a little bit hard to fit in. You know, it's like one of those places, like, do I belong here? Um, And it was full of professors and, like, professional, like, rock musicians and artists and actors. And honestly, there was, like, an abundance of talent. And uh, and they were a covenant church. And that was actually my first experience, kind of, with the covenant church. And I, I eventually I went on and I was a pastoral intern there. And also, for a minute... Um, I was involved in a church that one of my seminary friends planted, and it was originally called Seed, but whenever we planted the church and we started it, we changed the name to Renew Covenant Church, and I went to my friend's uh, church planter training, and that's where I learned about the Covenant Church more, and I was really impressed with it. I was impressed with uh, the commitment to being a diverse, multi-ethnic body, uh, with their commitment to social justice and evangelism and strong commitment to scripture, and I thought, huh. This is the denomination for me. I like this denomination. And so from that point on, I pretty much considered myself to be part of the Covenant Church. Now, Renew is also a very uh, modern church plant, and it was pan-Asian, meaning that all the folks that were involved there were um, Asian-American, right? There were Korean-Americans or Chinese-Americans and Japanese-Americans, Vietnamese-Americans and Filipino-Americans. And it was all multicultural because all those cultures are very different. But um, everybody had um, Asian heritage, with the obvious exception of my wife, Alyssa, who's you know, blonde and Swedish and <laughs> all, all that stuff. But um, eventually I moved back to Alaska, and, and I did get back involved with Community Covenant in Eagle River. And, it is, and it is a, it's a good church. Um, it's a middle-class you know, suburban church, but it's very different from uh, the ethnic kind of cutting-edge churches in Seattle. And um, it was primarily white. And the singing was modern, but it wasn't like, like an ethnic church, you know, where it's like very expressive and, and, and wow in your face. Um, and art wasn't really part of the services. Um, at Quest, there was like, there were visual artists that would always seem to create pieces for the sermon series or dancers that would do things and poets that would create something to go along with sermons. And now I'm here at First Covenant, um, which is unique in its own ways. And we managed to contain so many differences uh, within ourselves, not just um, ethnically and culturally, but also uh, theologically, politically, economically, generationally. And in in many ways, even though I was involved in some multi-ethnic churches, this is the most diverse church I've ever been involved in. 
um, because it's not just ethnic diversity, it's just diversity of experience. Um, now, all four of these churches were very, very, very different. And honestly, you wouldn't know that they're part of the same denominational group um, upon casual inspection. Um, and if you were to go to midwinter or gather the two annual meetings of the denomination, uh, you'd find out how incredibly buried our denomination is as a church. Um, even, in fact, in June, um, at the gather that uh, meeting that uh, Pastor Christie talked about, we welcomed our first uh, primarily Brazilian uh, church into our denomination. Um, we have churches that are very liturgical and follow like high church traditions, and churches that are very low church, um, you know, very, very, you know, evangelical, charismatic, and Pentecostal-flavored churches, and everything in between. And we have churches like from all sorts of cultural traditions, and that conduct services in all sorts of languages. Um, because the Covenant Church, it's it's broad in expression. There's lots of different flavors. But that's part of our ethos, our identity. We're diverse in expression, but united in mission, okay? Which is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And I, I, I love this denomination, but it's not where I came to faith. Um, I came to faith actually in a Baptist church, and I was kind of discipled in uh, charismatic churches. And uh, I, I love our denomination, uh, but I recognize it's just one expression of the body of Christ. We have our friends here in the United Methodist Church, and we're glad to worship with them. Um, because there's lots of good churches that do great things. But, and you might sound, it, it might seem weird, but normally in a church, and everything this morning just seems to be, okay, covenant, 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 so I'm sorry for all the visitors. This is not like what we normally do. But I think it's important to know about what makes us, us. And so that's what we're going to be spending some time doing. Over the next six or seven weeks, we're going to be going over some distinctives of the Covenant Church. Um, and we're going to be doing this by looking at our affirmation. Um, there are six beliefs that are considered essential to our covenant identity. Um, the six affirmations, they're right there. And, and this is going to be a topical series, which is not something I normally do. I like to do exegetical series where I just kind of walk through scripture. Um, but this is going to be topical, and this is going to be more like teaching. And so I really... Actually, I feel very self-conscious that there are so many visitors here because I'm like, okay, so I'm going to give you a lecture for the next half hour, so uh, get ready. Um, instead of preaching and exhorting and encouraging, um, so you might want to take notes. Um, and actually, at the end of the service, I'll just give some time to ask questions, or at the end of the sermon. Um, just like, if you have any questions about, okay, what, wait, what did that mean? What did you say? Um, because this is important. This, like I said, this isn't normally the way I do things. And if you're visiting, sorry, this isn't actually the normally the way church goes, but you win. Um, so I'm going to say, if you take notes, because like I said, this will give you a little bit more like a lecture. Um, if you take notes, even if you're a grown-up, normally we just give kids things. I will give you something. I have like a little stack of things of prizes. <laughs> I have a little stack of things, of prizes in my office, and I will go and I will get you a prize. So that includes all of you, okay, just so you know. All right, so here are the six affirmations. We affirm the centrality of the Word of God. We affirm the necessity of new birth. We affirm a commitment to the whole mission of 
the church. We affirm the church as a fellowship of believers. We affirm a conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We affirm the reality of freedom in Christ. Now, you might be thinking, wow, that's kind of a broad list. There's a lot of places that can, churches that can kind of fit into that. And that's kind of the point. We're not trying to be exclusive. Uh, we're an inclusive denomination focused on mission, not on our differences, right, but on what we're doing together. And some of you might be uh, thinking and looking at that like, I don't know. That seems kind of strict. Like, and that's also the point. That's also the point. Because we need some commonality, some frameworks that unite us. Otherwise, we're just, we're nothing, right? We're just, just a loose gathering. So we need something that explains what it means to be us. So this is what we're going to go over. All right? Next seven weeks, this is the sermon series. Let's pray. Lord, um, I know this is different, and I just pray um, that you be with us in this. Lord, we pray that, um, that your word be declared rightly, that it cuts us to the heart, that we can hear what we're meant to receive, and it can take root in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. All right. So, our first affirmation. We affirm the centrality of the Word of God. All right. Now, God speaks to people in all sorts of ways. Um, I have felt the Spirit of God moving in my heart when I've watched movies, when I've listened to music, when I read books and conversations, looking out at creation, and all sorts of things. And I, I've, I've even had dreams that I think God gave me. And a few times I felt like, you know, not very often, like I can think of two, where I felt like I like, audibly heard like the voice of God. But those are subjective. Okay, those are subjective ways that God has spoken and moved in my life. Now, I have shown my wife, Alyssa, um, things that God just used amazingly in my life. And I'm like, Alyssa, you won't believe God did this. This is amazing. And I show it to her, and she's like, meh. <laughs> and it just like, I'm like, what? It didn't speak to her in the same way. Um, there's this uh, beautiful short movie um, the Butterfly Circus. Has anybody seen it? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a short movie. It's like 17 minutes long. I think it's on Vimeo. You can um, Google it. And I love this movie. And it moved me and made me rethink church and community. And I've shown it to dozens, if not hundreds of people at this point. And I've had people weep when they watch this movie and we're talking about it. And, 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 and literally one of the churches that I was involved with, it totally changed their mission statement. But when I talk to about it with Alyssa, my wife, um, she's like, Ugh, not that again. And I'm like, no, this is amazing. Don't you understand? Because I really feel God's used that. And um, God speaks to me when I watch that. But, you know, honestly, last time I watched it, I was thinking, huh, that's kind of dated, huh? <laughs> like, that, that, that acting is kind of bad. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it didn't speak to me in the same way. God will use all sorts of ways to talk to us. But as it says in the preamble to our church's constitution, the Holy Scripture, the Old and New Testament, is the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. Okay, God will talk to you all sorts of ways. Okay, but Scripture, Scripture is the normative way. It's, it's, the, it's the, the way that God talks to all of us. Okay? Um, 
so the ways that God spoke to me, the way that God might have spoken to you outside, like they're, they're precious. I do really believe that if you're a believer, you need to hold on to those truths. And I think sometimes we kind of forget about that. And like there might be an experience that you have. Um, honestly, I really feel like God talks to young people a lot more than he talks to older people because we start dismissing it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. But, and then we start even dismissing the ways that God spoke, spoke to us when we were younger. We're like, oh, ah, did I really hear that? But I believe you need to hold on to those. Those are precious. But it's not timeless. It's not for all times. It might be for a season, for a specific instance. It might not be something for other people. It might just be just for you. But scripture is the normative revelation given to all believers. It's how God shows himself and interacts with all people at all times. Which is why the Covenant Church's unofficial motto is, where is it written? Where is it written? Right? The big question asked by uh, Paul Peter Waldenstrom, the Swedish theologian, uh, that kind of helped shape our denomination. Scripture is central to our identity. Now, you've probably heard the scripture. This is uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from instant infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to know how to follow Jesus, if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, if you want to know how to use your gifts for God's glory, Scripture will teach you. Scripture will teach you. Um, it's a gift so that we are thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work that we are called to do. If we want to know how to live into our salvation in Jesus Christ, we submit ourselves to Scripture, and we dive into it. Now, um, the Covenant Church writes resource papers every once in a while. They're just kind of like theological document, documents. They're like studies into certain topics. And... Um, one of the first resource papers was on scripture. And I'm actually going to send it out in the newsletter this week. But it proposes five ways for us to read Bibles, the Bible as covenanters. And I want to go over those quickly. One, we read the Bible faithfully. We read scripture as an act of faith. That God's going to reveal himself and his purpose, that we're going to be shaped. Uh, Hebrews 4 um, like Vince said, actually, I was like, oh, is he going to read my scripture whenever he was doing the prayers? But Hebrews 4, chapter 12 and 13, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to, of him to whom we must give account. Scripture is alive. It's active. And so we read it faithfully, expecting that it's going to be doing something. It's going to be, be revealing our hearts to ourselves. And so we, and we read it for what it actually says. We don't change it. We embrace all the messiness of it. Because let's face it, the Bible, it's a difficult book. Um, actually, it's a difficult collection of books. There are four different Gospels. Four of them. Okay? And, and they say things in different ways, with different emphasis and different orders. And, um, but we don't squish them together to make just one gospel. We have four of them. We embrace them all. Um, there are two different histories of Israel in the Bible. There's Chronicles and there's Kings, and they don't always match up. They don't always match up. 
but we don't harmonize them. We ask, well, what's being said in this? What's God revealing to us in this? And the ancient church wasn't dumb. They weren't dumb. The ancient Israelites could tell, like, oh, there's differences in these two things. God's been using both of them. We're keeping both. Um, some of the Proverbs, okay, you read through the Proverbs, and they don't match up with the images of suffering presented in the book of Job. Okay? Sometimes they don't match up. Actually, uh, some of the Job, if you don't know, Job was a person, and, and all sorts of bad things happened to him, and his friends went around, and they tried to encourage him, and they, they said Proverbs to him, and they made him feel like garbage. Okay? Those two books are a little bit in conversation with each other. But with all of the difficulties, we read it with all of those difficulties, with all of those mess faithfully, okay? It's hard. But that's the book that God's given us. And so, because it's hard, we can't, sometimes we can't read it all ourselves. We are limited by just the way that we understand things, okay? I think one way, so you think another way. I have my experiences, you have your experiences. And so we read the Bible communally. Okay, that's the second point. We read the Bible communally. It's for God's people, right? The Bible is a book for God's people. It's not just a book just for you, okay? And way back, way back in Exodus chapter 17, God was telling Moses, hey, write down the things that God's doing and share them to remember God's faithfulness. Okay, from the beginning, we, we were writing this down and we were sharing these stories with each other, proclaiming the scripture, because it's for all of us. It's for the community. None of us have the wisdom to understand all the things it says. Okay, we don't. So we learn together. And we learn in context with saints throughout history. Saints through other denominations. This, you know, we read it together. People have been studying these books for thousands of years. Um, you know, well, you know, New Testament over a thousand years. You know, but some of the others over two, three thousand years. We have a rich reservoir of knowledge to draw from. So we read it communally, together. Okay, um, That's the way it was meant to be read. It wasn't really, back then, well, a lot of people couldn't read. You didn't just like take this book home and sit by yourself and read it. You read it out loud. And he's like, huh, what does that mean? You ask questions together. So that was point two. Point three, we read the Bible rigorously. Uh, this is Acts 17, starting at verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. This text, it was written thousands of years ago to another people. Sometimes you have to do some homework to understand it. Um, there are things that we, should that we should understand. There are some things that were important to them that's not obvious to us, and, and vice versa. So we might have to do some research. We might need to examine the message eagerly, right, like the Berean Jews are. And like, who are Bereans? Okay, that might be some homework you need to do. And we need to understand genre. Some of the genres in the Bible I used to be an English teacher, so I, I really like genre. Um, some of the genres in the Bible, so they don't have modern equivalents, okay? And so we need to take that into account when we're reading. Well, what are the characteristics of that genre? Um, the Psalms are great to understand God's heart and how he relates to us and how we are to relate to him. 
but the Psalms are song lyrics, okay? Um, some of the things in Psalms are not meant to be exactly literal because song lyrics are not often literal. And so you have to kind of like weigh that. Um, some of the prophecies in the Bible are apocalyptic, okay? We don't really use the apocalyptic genre right now, okay? So we need to do some homework. Like, well, what are the characteristics of that genre? What does that mean? Um, because we need to read the Bible rigorously. We need to read it in concert with itself. We need to ask questions about it. Um, honestly, like I said, I like to do expository sermons where I just kind of go through a book because it makes you kind of face things you don't really want to talk about. And um, so the first way I start out every sermon is I just print out the passage that I'm going to share. I print it out like this, and I take out all the verse numbers and chapters because um, those aren't in the Bible. We just kind of made that up to help us understand things and to kind of find things. And I just write questions, and I ask questions. I try to come up with like 100 or so, and I think like, huh, why does this happen first? Or, or what does this adverb modify, you know, English teacher? And, um, and if a word seems unclear, like why do they use this word? And I'll look at it with that word, and I'll check it with another translation. And, um, and I used to be better about this. I'm looking at my Greek professor there. And, uh, but I used to tr do all the translation. I used to you know, look at the original language and translate it into English you know, from the Greek. Um, I don't do that as much because it takes a lot of time. But, but there's a lot of work going to understanding scripture. And whenever you do that, I know every Sunday I'm like, oh, I've never saw that in scripture before. I hear that all the time. And I didn't do anything special. I just read it. Um, and I asked questions. And I just paid attention. So it's nothing special. But we do it. We read the Bible rigorously. Uh, point four. We read the Bible charitably. Okay, I love this story in uh, John 5. On, on, in John chapter 5, uh, Jesus, he heals a man on the Sabbath. And, and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they kind of begin persecuting Jesus. And I, have a, I actually have a lot of sympathy for Pharisees because there are people that like devote themselves to trying to read scripture and follow it. Exactly like it says. Exactly. And um, I think, honestly, a lot of Christians are pretty much you know, modern-day equivalents of Pharisees. You know, we try to, to read it, and we try to figure out the rules and do exactly what it says. But Jesus tells these religious leaders in John chapter 5, uh, verses 38 and 39, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Those religious leaders like that study the scripture, they miss the point. The scriptures lead to Jesus. He's the fulfillment of the scriptures. The point of all the scriptures is Jesus, and they missed it. They're so focused on getting all the details perfect that they miss the real deal right in front of them. Church, we get it wrong time at times. I'm gonna get it wrong. Can we be humble about that? There are faithful interpretations of scripture that I disagree with. You know, somebody that conclusion. Um, you know, I think maybe they're doing it wrong. But from the beginning of our denomination, um, we've always understood faithful people are going to disagree. They're going to read something. They're going to pull something else different. You know, I mean, one of the big ones is we believe in the ordination of women. Okay. And um, we do that through our study of scripture. But other denominations, other, other Christians, they do not believe that. Can we love them? Um, 
you know? There's lots of other issues. And that, you know, it's always like, oh, do I talk about that one? Do I talk about this one? Do I talk about that one? But how do we love people? Are we gonna, are we gonna catch it? Are we gonna faithfully read scripture together? Can we be charitable with one another? Trusting that even if we disagree, that they're gonna be faithfully reading scripture as well? And I'm actually gonna talk about this more in one of the other affirmations. Um, but from the very beginning, you know, one of the big issues in our denomination was infant baptism. Like, should we do that or not? Um, and, you know, we were like, okay, you know what, we decided, huh, both people are faithfully trying to read scripture. We're gonna, we're okay, everybody do what you feel called to do, <laughs> okay? We're gonna, we're gonna affirm that you're reading scripture together. Are we gonna work together? And last, the way we read the Bible. We read it holistically with a commitment to grace, transformation, and mission. Um, when we read the scripture and ask where it's written, it's not just to treat the Bible like a reference book, um, which really a lot of us do. Um, a lot of us, we just look at the Bible as a user's manual, right? So when things aren't working right, you know, we find the right verse and plug it in to our lives and then try to go on. But scripture is richer than that. It's better than that. So we read it in concert with itself holistically because it's all God's word. And those words work together to shape us. Uh, not just the isolated verses or chapters or even isolated books of the Bible. We need the whole breadth of scripture to work in our lives. And it's not a cudgel. It's not something used to beat people. It's a gift of grace to transform us more and more into Christ's likeness. Okay, to enable us to proclaim and live into the kingdom of God. Uh, going back to the first scripture I shared, uh, first Timoth or 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is intended to change you. It's intended to change you. It's intended to challenge you. Not as a punishment, but to help make us more fully who we're supposed to be the person that God intended us to be. And scripture forms us to live as we were intended to. And sometimes you're going to read the Bible and it's going to feel like you're not getting anything out of it. Um, it, it just is. But that's not the point. The point isn't always to, to, to pull out that nugget. The point is transformation. And just like a glacier moves slowly, almost imperceptibly, it still moves, and it changes everything in its wake. Okay, and you're changed bit by bit gradually. And you know, I would say mix it up. Try reading scripture in a different way. There are tons of great ways to read scripture. There's like the soap method. Anybody do the soap method before? Right, it's, a, it's scripture, you find your scripture, and it's a journaling method. And then you write down observations, and then you make applications about your life, and you pray about it. So, right, scripture, observation, application, pray. Or there's the Lectio, where you read it slowly and meditatively and repetitively. Or there's audio Bibles. Um, I, I love the Streetlights Bible app. Anybody use Streetlights? No? Yeah. Okay, and so it just re it's an audible Bible. It's free. You can get the app. And it just, like, it reads uh, scripture. Um, I think it does New Living Translation, but it's over, like, hip-hop beats. And you, like, and you just, like, listen to it. You know, or re use a Bible reading plan. There's lots of different ways to read the Bible. Just do it. Uh, my mom likes to actually experiment with, experiment with this. And uh, she wasn't a Christian whenever I was little, but she is now. 
And uh, what she does is she writes the Bible as her devotion. She just copies it. And so she has these stacks of notebooks in English and in Korean, because uh, she's Korean, and, and so uh, where she's just written the Bible over and over again. And like, just to get in there. And now what, she's doing a thing where she like actually records herself reading the Bible, and then she'll listen to her recordings of herself reading the Bible. So it's like she's making her own Bible app. It's kind of weird, but she does it. And um, I think she's actually talked to people in her church like, hey, can you read this, this, this book for me? And so like she has her friends like reading the Bible to her. Okay, she's just experimenting, playing. But the deal is read the Bible. Let it transform you. Let it empower you. Uh, let it lead you to Jesus because it's not just another book. It's not a manual. It's, it's not a, just a story or a history or a how-to book or a book about the future and fortunes or any of that. It's the word of God given to his people to draw us to him. Let it transform us more and more into his likeness and to equip us to proclaim his kingdom, to live into his kingdom. Let's pray. Holy Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the richness of it, for the fullness of it. And Lord, I pray, um, Lord, I pray that we commit ourselves to it. That we read charitably and rigorously and faithfully and communally and holistically. And that we be transformed more and more into your likeness, more and more into your people. A people that imbue your grace in this world, that declare your goodness, and that call people to your love. In Christ's name, amen. All right, I think uh, we're going to do another worship song.